0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Walk in Grace series, which goes through Ephesians 2-5. through 5. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God has used it in your life. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you've been with us in our study, we were in this a few months ago, uh, really just going through this series of walking in grace. Our first part of the series was called Rich in Grace, understanding that God's grace, His strength in our life, He's never, ever, ever going to run out of strengthening you and helping you. And then He desires that you and I would walk in that strength. And so that is what we have been uh, going through this idea of walking in grace. As we look at the message this morning, I'll just tell you, uh, man, we had a great time on our trip. We got, I told you, a little bit of vacation time. One of the days, we had the opportunity. Of course, we were in Yosemite National Park. you ever been to Yosemite National Park? Man, beautiful area. Hannah's from that area, so we got to spend some time there. And uh, Santa Cruz, California, Monterey, Pismo Beach, the weather was like 70 degrees. So I came back here, and I got off the airplane, and I passed out. I was like, what is this 100-degree stuff right in time for next week, right? But one of the days, we got to go to San Francisco. And I wanted to, I've always wanted to take the kids to Golden Gate Bridge. And how many of you have been to the Golden Gate Bridge? You've seen that beautiful area. And uh, I know of all of the political things and the climate change and all the homeless stuff down there. But it's still a beautiful city and beautiful area. And so we had planned to drive into San Francisco, from where we were, was about, uh, about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute drive to San Francisco. And so we left at 8.30, nine o'clock in the morning. We pulled into San Francisco, about 11. And I remember as we were pulling in, we're pulling into town, I began to hear all of these voices. And they were voices from within the car. And they were all telling me where to go. <laughs> and as I'm driving into San Francisco, I hear, I hear one of somebody in my family just say, hey, just turn down that street. It looks really cool. Let's go down that street. Maybe the ocean's that way. Another one is like, is, that, is Alcatraz over there? Can we drive to Alcatraz, you know? I don't know if that one has a future. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. Another one was like, man, I am hungry. You can guess which one that was. I am hungry. Can we please find food? Somebody else just, you know what? Let's just turn down a street and find coffee. And I had all of these voices speaking into me. And then I had a fifth voice speaking into me. That voice came with a screen. It was the dash of the car and the voice telling me how to get to my desired destination. You see, my desired destination was the Golden Gate Bridge. That's where I wanted to go. But as we pulled into town, and stay with me this morning... As we pulled into town, I had a decision to make. Am I going to listen to all of the voices that are speaking into me from around me, or am I going to listen to the voice that is taking me to the desired destination? I bring that thought up this morning because as we come back into Ephesians chapter number five, Paul the author of the book of Ephesians. Of course, he's writing to believers at Ephesus having not been there for 10 years and his desire is to encourage them and to help them. Of course, they were going through some great challenges. But most recently, Paul has been writing to them just about understanding that as you go through life, you should imitate or follow God. Like make sure that the number one voice that you are listening to in your life is the voice of God because God will take you to the desired destination. And we have a lot of people that we can imitate and a lot of voices that we can listen to, whether that be family or culture or our own uh, uh, sinful uh, flesh that we live within. There's a lot of voices that we follow. And so uh, Paul was encouraging them, Ephesians chapter five, verse number one, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The therefore is like, hey, God is given. given you so much grace, choose to follow him, choose to imitate him. One of the ways that we imitate God is by how we go through life. And most recently, that's what Paul wrote about in Ephesians chapter five, verse number uh, two, all the way down through verse number 17. He writes specifically about walking or living in God's love, living in God's light. And then he talked about living in God's wisdom, paying attention to where we're going. Ephesians 5, 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Well, what is he saying? Hey, pay attention to where you're going. Pay attention to the voices that you allow to speak into you. Pay attention to the people that you give audience to. Pay attention to the direction of the decisions that you make. With all of that in mind, we're going to see Paul continue down this thought uh, path. My mind went blank for a second. We're going to let him help us down this thought path of whose voice Whose voice speaks into your life the most, and whose voice do you listen to the most? And i just lay it out for you this morning, even before we get into it. The fact is that every day, every single day, you and I choose a lot of decisions. We make a lot of choices, don't we? And did you know that God wants to be a part of every decision? Well, how does he do that? God wants to be the main voice that speaks into your life. Let me me say it this way. Just so you know, the introduction of the message is the longest part, okay? (coughs) The rest of it's long too, but this part is the longest. By the way, did the preachers that preach, did they all preach really short? Short-ish. I heard Micah's message last week was like 20 minutes. Is that true? Can't believe it. Robert, how long was your message? Shorter than mine? Okay, next time I leave town, I'm getting somebody to come in that will preach for like an hour and 20 minutes every week. That way when I come back, you guys will be like, man, 45 minutes, man, an hour. Pastor's short today. Just kidding. I have no idea where I was. Uh let's, let's look at it this way. When you and I are born, we're born, the Bible says it this way, that we're born dead in our sins, right? We, we are born destined for hell, but that's why Jesus Christ came, right? We know this is called the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died upon the cross. He gave his life so that we could have new life, could be the phrase in John 3 is born again into the family of God so that we could be a child of God. That's why Jesus came and he died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again to prove that he was God, to prove that he could conquer death, hell, and the grave. And he did all of that so that we could have new life. And here's what happens. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their savior, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, asking him to forgive you of your sin and and putting uh, your faith uh, for forgiveness into him completely, when you do that, the Bible teaches that God moves into your life, immediately. It's not a process that takes place, it's immediate. Uh, Paul actually wrote it this way in Romans chapter five and verse number nine. He said, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That means you don't belong to Jesus if the Holy Spirit of God is not in your life. So when we trust Christ as savior, there's different terminologies for it. Being saved, salvation, being justified, being made righteous, Those, those are the different terms. When that takes place, God moves into your life. That's a good thing. The Holy Spirit of God moves into your life. Why does He do that? Because he will become, Romans 8:15, a father to you, a father that wants to help you and help me and, and wants to guide us and give us direction and decision. John, Jesus said it this way, and John wrote it this way, that when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You see... God wants his Holy Spirit. He wants to be a voice that speaks into your life every single day through uh, the word of God and through uh, good godly music and through people and influences around you and through church. There's so many ways that God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to come alongside the believer and help us make decisions so that the direction of our life gets us to the desired destination. You say, well, pastor, what's the desired destination? In this, it's not San Francisco. I just want you to know that. Now, it might be for some, but no, the desired destination is where God said that he wants to make every single person who receives Jesus like Jesus. The desired destination is you become more like Christ, and because of your salvation, eventually you're going to be in heaven, but during this life, God wants to bring you to a destination each and every day of fulfilling his purpose and his will. And he does that by bringing the Holy Spirit alongside us to help us make decisions. Are you still with me? That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God living within us, to help us, to guide us into all truth. The question then that we need to ask ourselves is the title of the message. Who's in control? In your life, who's in control? In your life, who speaks into you the most and who do you give the most attention to? In your life, is it the Holy Spirit of God that's helping direct your daily decisions or is it you or is it your family or is it your job? What voice or is it culture? What voice is speaking the most into your life, directing the decisions that you make? And this morning, what we're going to do for the next few minutes is we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, or verse 18 through 21, to discover a way to tell who's in control of our life. How do we know if God is in control or not in control of our life? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Take your Bible and let's stand together. Ephesians chapter number 5, Ephesians chapter number 5, and verse number 18. Paul says this, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess or rioting, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Look back, if you would, at verse number 18, We read these words, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, read that last part with me, but be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at this phrase today and Paul's application of it, but more specifically we're going to look at three evidences, three ways to identify If your life is being controlled by the Spirit of God or by something else. So this morning as we get into the message, just think about this question. Who's in control in my life? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's ask God to bless our time together and to help us this morning. Would you, just again, in the quietness of your heart, would you pray and would you ask the Lord to help you? God, help me today. God, speak to me today. And then would you make the commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you today. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for allowing us to come to worship, to hear from you. I pray that you would speak to us and in us this morning. We love you, God, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. Speak to us now, we give you permission to work. We pray that you would help every decision that needs to be made, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> so i want to look at this verse again, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea here that Paul is, is helping us with is to be under the control of, the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Paul illustrates this idea of a person who is under the influence of alcohol. Now, every single one of us, every generation, is uh, is accustomed to knowing what that is. Somebody being under the influence of alcohol. Here's what Paul writes. And just so you know, this isn't a a verse condemning or condoning alcohol. It's a verse where Paul's using it as an illustration, okay? So we always have to put scripture into context. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Don't be controlled with alcohol because alcohol leads to excess. What is the excess? Rioting. Alcohol doesn't ever lead to healthy destinations. Would we agree with that? Now, some of you want to be like, well, pastor, there's, you know, I have that. I'm not, we're not, we're not having that debate right now. We're just having the agreement that a lot of the time, I mean, probably like percentage wise, it would be like 100% of the time, (laughs) people don't wake up from being drunk like, man, that was awesome. Now, I don't know from experience. My mom does, but I, no, I'm <coughs> i teasing. She, the, that's the past life, okay? It's, it's all on the, the ground is level at the cross. It's all, I'm just kidding. Um, no, you, you, the, the, someone who's under the influence of alcohol, it leads to a destination you don't want to go. And Paul's just using the illustration. He's like, hey, you know that being under control of other things they don't it doesn't take you where you want to be so the emphasis is not on the first part of the verse but the second but be filled be controlled by the holy spirit of god because if you're controlled by the holy spirit of god if you're listening to the voice of god it is always going to take you to a place that you want to be i don't know anybody i really don't know anybody who sincerely followed after God and sought God and pursued God and listened to the voice of God. I don't know, I really can't even think off the top of my head, one person that got to that place and said, this was the dumbest decision I ever made. I, I, don't, I don't I've never met somebody that way. I, I've done a lot of funerals of people who followed the Lord and got to that point. And I remember uh, uh Brother Sam Stewart, I remember Miss Anita remember sitting there by Brother Sam's bed uh, just a couple days before he passed away, and brother Sam Stewart saying to me, Pastor, I'm so thankful that I followed God. I'm so thankful. I don't know a lot of people that follow God and go to a place where they go, man, I really regret this. This is what Paul is saying. As you follow God, it's going to take you to a desired destination. But the fact of the matter is, we have to choose to be controlled by God. We have to choose to follow God. We have to choose to be led by or filled with the spirit of God. Someone would ask, well, pastor, what does it mean to be filled with the spirit of God? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Galatians, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. What does it mean to be controlled by the spirit? I found this definition years ago and I love it. To be filled with the spirit is a moment by moment decision to listen to and follow God. It's just everyday a moment by moment decision. God, God, where do you want me to go today? God, how do you want my speech to be today? God, what do you want me to say to people today? God, would you direct my decisions today? God, I give you permission to alter my days so that I can be used of you. God, and, and we're praying about every situation. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter number five, pray without ceasing. What is that? Keep the connection with God at all times in your life. It's just you and I in a moment by moment decision throughout the day, choosing to say, God, I give you permission to be the loudest voice speaking into my life. So, Paul gives this thought be controlled with or filled by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we ask ourselves that question who's in control of our life? Well, it's going to lead us to a desired destination. And when we are controlled by the Spirit of God, there is going to be evidence. And Paul writes about that. Notice the three identifying marks, and there are more all throughout Scripture. But these are the three that Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter number five. Three ways that you and I can tell if we are being controlled by the Spirit or controlled by ourselves or some other influence. What are those three ways? Well, number one, when I'm controlled by the Spirit of God, my heart, my heart is focused. My heart is going to be focused. Where do we see this? Look at verse 19. Excuse me, verse 19, Paul says this way. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, notice the phrase, to the Lord. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The phrase, notice the phrase, speaking to yourselves. If you see that phrase, speaking to yourselves, this has to do with encouraging or challenging yourself. The actual definition would be to preach or to exhort. So Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be speaking to yourself. What do you mean you're going to be speaking to yourself? You're going to be preaching to yourself or exhorting yourself. Well, what are you going to be exhorting yourself in? In Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with a heart that is centrally focused upon God. You see, because in life, you and I recognize this today, but as life happens and as challenges come our way, we often, if you're like me, and, and maybe you're not, maybe you could write the book on staying faithful, but I know me, when when life happens, Sometimes I sometimes I question my faith. Now, I don't question if God is real or if my salvation is real or anything like that. No, 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 no. I, I, like you, probably have times when I go, God, like, are you really in control? Like, God, do you really know what's going on? And we, don't look at me like that. <laughs> See me right now, you're like Googling, like how, well, you know, anyway, never mind. I, I won't go down that road. In, in life, we have things that happen to us and it causes our our heart, to speak doubt into our lives, right? In those moments, do you know what we're being controlled by? We're being controlled by fear. We're being controlled by the what ifs. We're being controlled by the, well, this isn't what I, this this isn't that fluffy flowery stuff from that motivational speaker that I heard online that told me if I follow God, that everything's going to work out. No, 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 no. My friend, we have to understand this, that life happens, Challenges happen, right? Situations come that we don't agree with. And when those situations come, when those trials take place, when uh, that loss happens, when all of those take place, in those moments, often the voice that speaks into us the most is the voice of doubt, the voice of fear, the voice of questioning. Well, here's what Paul is saying. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, as you travel through life, you're going to be preaching to yourself or exhorting yourself or encouraging yourself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why? Because it keeps your heart focused on the Lord. One of the biggest identifying factors of a person who is walking in the spirit or not walking in the spirit is really, if I could say it this way, their emotional stability through really hard times. Now, what do you mean, pastor? Okay, I'm an emotional person. We've already understood that this morning. It does not mean that we're not gonna cry or not going to have emotions. It means that our emotions are not going to control us. It means that as I go through hard times, as I go through uh, trials and situations, a result of being filled with the Spirit of God is my life, is, uh, my heart is not going to be driven up and down by the winds of life. It is a heart that is emotionally steady. Why? Because of a focus upon God. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to say like, God, where are you in this moment or have those moments of questioning like David did. No, it means that I'm always going to come back to the foundational truth that I can trust God in this moment and i'm going to be speaking that to myself speaking exhorting preaching exal- uh, uh, encouraging myself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs well why am i doing that because psalms bible spiritual or hymns is is historical record of people's testimonies spiritual songs are emphasized as uh, Spiritual songs. I can't think of another way to describe it. Ask Brian to give you a great musical definition of it. What are all three of those things? They're all three ways to verbalize a focused heart upon the Lord. And this is what the Psalm. This is what uh, uh, they are, Paul is saying in this passage that when trials come, the spirit-filled Christian is going to continually find stability by encouraging themselves in the things of the Lord. You're going to have a heart that's focused upon God. Don't be filled with Wine, don't be controlled by other things. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because then you'll be able to encourage yourself. You'll be able to exhort yourself, not because of your great words, but because your mind is focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are ministering to you. This is David. It's David in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number six. David, he was greatly discouraged, greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David did what? He went to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. This is Paul and Silas in Acts chapter number 16 in a in a jail cell at midnight. Paul and Silas, what did they do? They prayed and they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. In a moment of distress, their heart was focused. Why? because they were saying, God, we want you to be the central voice that speaks into our life. And so a spirit-filled, a spirit-controlled believer is continually focusing themselves upon the Lord. They are able to sing praise and and give God glory even in the hard times. They are able to trust and rely upon God even when answers are not seen or not heard. They're able to encourage themselves in the Lord because they are continually choosing to listen to and follow the voice of God. Unfortunately, that doesn't describe a lot of us because instead, often we are quick to question God, to doubt his love, to question his care, his provision in our life, But that's because we're being controlled. We're being controlled by fear. Hey, don't let, can I throw it this way? Don't be controlled by fear. It doesn't lead you to a right destination, but instead be controlled by the spirit of God. Why? It's gonna bring you to a place where your heart is constantly focused. And as the winds and waves of life beat upon the ship of your life, you're anchored in the unmovable rock. Hey, my heart My heart is going to be focused. What's the second character? The second identifying evidence or factor. It's my heart is going to be grateful. A person whose life is controlled by the Spirit of God, they're going to live out a grateful, have a grateful heart. Paul wrote it this way. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul continues to say another great evidence of being controlled by, filled with, led by the Holy Spirit of God is a grateful heart. I love how one man put this. He wrote it this way. The sincerely grateful person realizes that he is enriched and blessed by God and undeserving of anything in life. There are two types of people in this world. People who are grateful for everything or anything, and people who think they deserve everything or anything. You wanna know how to tell if your life is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? Are you being grateful or are you deserving? Am I grateful for everything and I'm undeserving or am I like, man, I am owed. Everybody owes me. My work owes me. Now, if you work hours, do they owe you? Yes, but honestly, at the end of the day, if they never came with a paycheck, could you still be grateful that God will provide? My spouse owes me, my kids owe me. My, when, I'm, when I'm feeling owed, you know what I'm doing? I'm living controlled by that, that flesh. I'm controlled by the voices around me rather than the Christ within me. And the fact of the matter is gratitude in everything is a sign of a spirit-filled life. All of us can be grateful for some things. I mean, everybody can be grateful for some things, but it's hard to be grateful for everything, right? And yet here's the command. Be grateful, right? Look what it says. Giving thanks always for what? All things. You know what that means? Here's what it means in the Greek. Everything. You know, everything means in the Greek, all things, we just keep going back and back, back and around, round and around and around we go. It literally just means being grateful, having a gratitude. Uh, the the old song, the old kids song, having a gratitude attitude for everything that comes in my life. But you think about this: I mean, we can be grateful for some things, but in our own strength, listen, in our own strength, we can never really be thankful or grateful in all things. I mean, can we really? Can we in our own strength? Can we really be grateful and thankful? For times of suffering? Are you really thankful for disappointment? In your own heart, in your own mind, in your own strength, are you really thankful when loss comes? You see, the attitude of being grateful is not the key here. It's the attitude of being spirit-filled and grateful for all things. It's me being able to say in anything, God... I'm going to trust you in this, and I'm going to be grateful for it. I don't know what I'm grateful for yet, but I'm just thankful that you're in control of this situation. I'm just thankful that you know what's going on. Many of you have gone through loss, and of course our family with my dad over the last... Uh, eight or nine months. And then, of course, praying for the Allison family with Debbie going home to be with the Lord and others that have lost loved ones in the last year. I mean, we, really, we could go around and death has touched just about every family in our church in one way or another in the last couple of years with friends or family. You know what? During those hard times, I remember on October 3rd when when I got the phone call and I was leaving the house because my sister called me. We had church. I ran home to eat lunch really quick. And I remember I was like, I'm gonna gonna get there real fast. Go home, grab food and turn around. And literally right when I walked inside, my sister called and said, come, dad's going. And I remember getting in my truck and driving (coughs) to my parents' apartment from my house having to go down Wheeler and then turn on Highway 17 North. And I remember going up Wheeler right by Safeway and going up there to the, the, just the hill there. And I remember sitting at the stoplight and the song coming on that we sing here, I'm Home, Psalm 84. It came on, my, it came on the, the CD player. And I literally remember in that moment, I was eating, eating a piece of pizza that I had just warmed up at the house. And that song came on and tears came to my eyes. And I remember saying like, God, Help me be thankful right now. I'm thankful dad's not suffering anymore. I'm thankful that he's with you. I'm thankful for home. I'm listening to this song. You know what happened in that moment? I mean, a lot of people, you know this, a lot of people, We when death hits family, it just, man, Brother Troy, it's a range of emotions, isn't it, man? Everything, I mean, up and down. You know what happened in that moment? I really felt like in the car, God was right next to me. and put his arm around me and just said, hey, it's good it's okay. And I remember getting there and of course shed my tears and all of that. But I just remember like mom and my sister, we were all there in that moment. And she just, hey, like, we're good. Like, I'm so thankful for heaven. And I'm not saying that this morning so that you can say, wow, pastor, you did really good in that moment. Oh no, because there were moments after that where I was like, ah, What I'm getting at is the thought that when you are controlled by the Spirit of God, there's going to be this peace in your life that just says, God, I truly can be grateful in all things. The word grateful, we get our same word grace from. And I love how one man described this when he said, if we have experienced the grace of God, then we ought to be grateful for what God brings into, into and allows into our lives. You see, the grace of God is the strength of God offered in every moment. And if I am living under the strength of God, I'm going to be strengthened by God. I'm gonna be able to be grateful to God. Paul wrote this way to the believers at Thessalonica and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are, when we are being led and controlled by the spirit of God, listening to the voice of God, we will become a more grateful person. Why? Because I look at everything through God's lens, recognizing I don't deserve anything. I spoke about my dad passing away, but when my dad was alive, my dad would always have this phrase, and I hated it. I hated the phrase. It was three words, and it was usually, it was one of these two ways. It was said one of these two ways. Why not me, or why not you? Right, mom? Because we'd ask, I I remember coming up to dad, and I'd complain. Dad, I can't believe this is happening. Why me? And my dad would go, why not you? What, are you something special? <laughs> ah! I remember when dad went through cancer and me sitting and having that question, dad, why you? And you know his three words back were, why not me? You know what I watched and, and you've seen it with people you know, and I'm not trying to highlight my dad this morning. Really, I wasn't gonna talk about the funeral. That wasn't in my notes at all, all right? Uh, but this, this thought is here that my dad, through those years, and you know people, it's just, it's just an attitude of like, hey, I don't deserve anything. So whatever I get from God, it's okay. Whatever God allows in my life, I trust him. I'm thankful for it. Man, this is the spirit-filled heart, Spirit-filled Christian is thinking with a mind of Christ. They have a humble mindset, an undeserving mindset that is able to say, God, I'm thankful. So here's my question to you. How's your heart in the grateful category today? Are you controlled by the voice that says, I deserve, I'm owed, I'm owed, why me? Or are you controlled by the voice that says, I don't deserve anything. God, I'm, I'm grateful to you. Am I spirit-controlled, led by God, or led by the voices? The three evidences today, number one, my heart is going to be focused on him. I'm controlled by the spirit. I'm going to be focused. Number two, my heart is going to be grateful. Number three, and notice it with me lastly today, my heart is going to be submissive. My heart is going to be submissive. Notice, if you will, verse number 21. Verse 21 of Ephesians 5 Paul said this, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, submission has really nothing to do with the order of authority. Instead, submission has to do with the operation of authority. Submission, this type of submission, takes humility. What is this submission? Well, submission in this passage is living with a willingness to defer. That's what it is. That's what submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. It's just willing to defer. What's that mean? You don't always have to get your way. I don't always have to be right. Some of you are like, checking out right now. Came here to be encouraged and pastor's telling me I gotta defer to other people. Trust me, I don't like this either. Because we live pride filled lives, pride filled lives, pride controlled lives. We listen to the voice of us saying, I deserve. A humble spirit says, I defer. Not I deserve, but instead I defer. It's a willingness not to throw my weight around or my authority around. It's a willingness to work with people, not above people. As a believer, we are to do this, and notice what the word of God says. I never noticed this until this message. Notice verse 21 when it says it, submitting yourselves one to another. Do you see the phrase, in the fear of God? <clears throat> Many of you know that in the fear of God, the phrase, fear of God, uh, in, in a number of passages, it can mean in the, with the respect of God, respecting. In this passage, there, there is the application. It could be respect, you could say that. But the actual Greek word that's used for this word fear right here is the terror of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the terror of God, being terrified of God. Now, some of you are like, well, pastor, you preach that we shouldn't like, be scared of who God is. Listen to the word. This is such a cool thought. Listen to how Paul is doing this. Submitting yourselves one to another, being humble before each other, Because he is God. You are not. He's the only one to be feared. I mean, really, in all of creation, who should people, like, who really could just, you know, God doesn't have to snap his finger for everything to disappear. That didn't have to happen. Like, he's God. He is creator God. He is the almighty, all-powerful, all-deserving creator God. Who do you and I think we are? And yet, what example did he set for us? Oh, I don't know. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So it's like Paul is like bringing that into mind. Submitting yourselves one to another in the terror of God. Hey, quit thinking that you deserve a bunch of stuff. Be spirit-filled and it will help you. Remember, I am absolutely nothing. I can defer to the people around me. I'll have a submissive spirit, a sign, a key, an evidence that you and I are being led by the Spirit of God is that willingness to defer. You see, the fact is that if God removed his mercy from us, Lamentation said it this way, it's of the Lord's, or Solomon said it this way, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions they fail not. Hey, because because his compassion doesn't ever cease, that's why you and I don't just like pfft, die. Why? Because he's compassionate, because he's merciful. Again, this isn't about scaring us, it's about perspective. When I remember who he is, it helps me to have a humble and a deferring attitude to those around me, and I can and will prefer others before myself when I am controlled by the Spirit of God. Paul said it this way in Romans twelve ten: be kindly affection one to another in brotherly lo- with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. You know, by nature, we want to promote ourselves, but the Holy Spirit of God enables us to submit ourselves, I don't have to be first. I don't have to be heard. I don't have to get the last word in. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be understood. I don't have to get my way. I can live with deference. I will be a peacemaker. I will be a servant. I will be a person who's fine with being behind the scenes. And all of that is a byproduct of being controlled by the Spirit of God. So here's my question to you Would other people describe you as one to defer? Or would your family say, nope, it's always dad's way or the highway? It's always mom's way or the highway. It's always the teenager's way or the highway. Would the people at work say, you know, they come to the table, they offer ideas, and they receive ideas? Or would people at work say, man, they come to work, and it's always just about them. If we do anything different, psh, man, they are, they are a pain to work with. I wonder, would people describe you as a deferring person? The question we're answering this morning is who is in control? Who's in control of your life? Because if the Holy Spirit of God is in control of your life, you're going to have a heart that's focused upon him. You're gonna have a heart that no matter what comes, you're able to step back and say, God, because of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, I'm able to direct my attention to you. I'm speaking to myself. I'm encouraging myself. My heart is focused upon you. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, your heart is going to be grateful. Regardless of what comes, you're gonna be grateful. And when your heart is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are going to be submissive. You're going to defer. We got back uh, Thursday night, super late. Friday, I came into the office, was working here. I was getting coffee up in the kitchen. Brian came up. We were talking up there. I told Brian I was gonna tell the story because he told me this, but I was getting coffee and he, was, he just kind of walked in. He kind of snickered. He was like, uh, the Keurig machine, huh? I don't exactly remember what was said, but I just looked at him kind of funny. Like, that's a different response. He goes, yeah, me and the Keurig, we had a run-in this week. I was like, oh, you had a run-in? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know the little coffee mugs from the church? I said, yeah. He was like, well, I found out this week those don't hold the biggest amount of the Keurig that you can press. You guys know the Keurig machine has a small, medium, and large. Well, if you ever use a church coffee cup, don't push the large. It'll hold it. It just it's it's like on the verge of overflow, and so Brian's describing to me. And if you know Brian, describing a story it takes a little while to get to the destination. <laughs> I'm teasing. Brian's describing this, and he, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding, Brian. He's he's so he's imitating. He's not holding the cup. He's imitating. He's like, man, it filled it, and Pastor, it wasn't overflowing. It's just like all it was just right to the brim. He's like, you should. I wish there's a camera in the kitchen because you just make fun of me. You could show it on Sunday, you know. And I was like, yeah, I'm telling the story on Sunday. He's, he's like, you know what I did? As I'm holding that coffee cup, literally with all that, he said, it's about to pour out. He was like, it, it controlled everything I did. <laughs> and I said, Brian, you just reminded me of a, 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 a quote that's written in my Bible. He said, what's the quote? Here's the quote that, nope, it's not even on here. I didn't put it here. Here's the quote, I'll read it to you. A full cup, this is written in my Bible in Ephesians chapter five, right next to verse number 18 a full cup controls my walk. That's literally written in my Bible. You can see it afterwards from a message. I have no idea who preached it. I don't know. It's just there. And I was like, Brian, I literally just read that. I'm using your illustration. We've all done that. You've all filled a cup, super full. You should have seen me on Thursday. We were about to catch a flight out of San Jose, so we stopped at the at the mall just for a little bit. And there's a salt and straw ice cream creamery. anybody know what salt and straw is? Okay, there's two of you. If you've never been to a salt and and my family, sorry, son. If you've never been to a salt and straw creamery, anytime you're in a major city in California, look up salt and straw, and there might even be one in Seattle. It's amazing. And so I'm like, it's last day of vacation. I still will eat very unhealthy. So I dropped Hannah off at one entrance. I went in the other entrance. You know what entrance I went into? Salt and straw entrance. I like found it and I called her. I'm like, hey, uh, you want ice cream? Are you at salt and straw? (laughs) Yep. She's like, well, it is the last day of vacation. Let's do it. And I got this two scooper. We shared. And you know what they did? It wasn't those chintzy scoops. Don't ever go to a place that gives you, if you walk into somewhere and they're serving Dryer's ice cream, turn around and walk out. You know why they're gonna be like so chintzy and scoop that in? It wasn't that. The, the girl piled it on. You should have seen me, Alex, walking through the mall because Hannah wasn't with me. And I was like, man, I could eat the whole thing before I get there, but then she'll be mad. And we all know, happy wife, happy life. And so here's me walking through the mall like, Ugh. it's starting to run down the side. It was overflowing. It controlled my walk. You know why? Because I, I licking the sides, man. I was trying to figure out how can I make this look like there wasn't some eating, you know? Hey, here's the fact of the matter. When, you're, when, something, is over, when something is full, it's going to control the motions. So here's, we're done. Landing the plane. <laughs> Here's where we're at. When your life is filled with the Spirit, it's gonna control your emotions. It's gonna control your decisions. It's gonna, tr- it's gonna control your focus. It's gonna control your gratitude. And it's gonna, gonna, gonna control your submissiveness, your submission to relationships around you. So here's my question. Who's in control today? Hey, but who's gonna be in control this week? Remember, being filled with the Spirit is a moment-by-moment decision. So this week, who's gonna be in control of your life? And will you make the decision that you will be led by, controlled by the voices around you or by the God who lives within you? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.